This is Collaboration Booster, a podcast on how to improve teamwork. Welcome to episode one, Experiment. Some of you might already know my collection of 20 postcards with ideas for improving collaboration. Each episode of my podcast will address one of these ideas and explore them in more detail and with the help of experts. I asked you on Facebook to contribute some thoughts about why experimenting can help teams improve collaboration. Renu, who works in innovation, has sent in some thoughts from India. Experimenting comes with the sense of discovery, that aha moment. And it gives the team a sense of collective when they have identified or discovered something new together. I think Renu is absolutely right. Most people think that collaboration is about using great tools, for instance software, or to follow a specific set of rules. Some of these things can help a team work together, of course, but if you want to find out how your specific team in your specific work environment can become a better team, experimentation is not only a pretty good idea, but essential. Two more reasons than the one Renu expressed. Experimenting will help you question and improve your process all the time. You will never think that you have found the perfect solution or the perfect process, but will always be ready to improve and question it. By continuously improving your system, you will also learn as a team, and learning is the single most important thing when it comes to improving collaboration. When I thought about who I could interview about experimentation, I immediately knew that Claudio Perrone would be the perfect person. Not only is Claudio a consultant in Lean and Agile, but also an expert in experimentation processes for teams and organizations. Claudio is also known as Agile Sensei. Sensei means teacher in Japanese. And I'm sure that we can learn a lot about the power of experimentation by talking to him. My first question to Claudio when we had the interview for this podcast episode over Skype was, why is experimenting a good idea for teams? Say, say I have a really good way and I have a truth about how we should go about something. Uh, sometimes it's very hard actually to convince everybody to go in that direction. But if I say, how about we try this, we experiment for, say, two days, much easier because you would say then what you have to lose. Um, the opposite of that, of course, is not experimenting, going for maybe big decisions or do nothing at all. Doing nothing at all is what a lot of companies choose to do, says Claudio. They are paralyzed, and by being paralyzed, they do not move forward anymore. Not moving forward or not being in motion is the worst possible state of an organization. If we do not experiment, we also assume that everything we do is just fine. But if we work on problems that are risky, and a lot of work in teams is risky in nature, we have only a number of options. Take a big decision and go for it, and learn if it worked later. Or test different options, which lowers the risk. So one part of experimenting is risk management, but the other is about introducing change into a team. If change is hard, make it continuous. When we confront teams with the possibility to experiment, 
Both Claudio and I often hear phrases like this. We do not need to experiment. Let's think it through properly and then we will decide. Claudio agreed that there are different ways of approaching a problem and that there are also different categories of problems. Not all require experimentation. One problem-solving technique that Claudio got to know at Toyota in Japan is called A3 thinking. It's a great method to look at complicated problems. For instance, a software problem, a mechanical problem, or a cost-cutting challenge. If you do enough analysis and take your time to analyze every possible option, you will find the best solution. But not all problems are complicated. Many are complex. In complexity theory, we know simple, complicated, complex, and chaotic states. And many typical projects in knowledge work, that means where teams work together to achieve a common project goal, are in the complex domain. But we actually know from theories and research, particularly on complexity theory, that there's another category of problems that are not complicated, but complex. And the idea there is that you can't really find causes if not in hindsight, essentially after the fact. Let me repeat that for you real quick. Because when I learned about this about five years ago at a Lean Kanban conference, I first struggled with it quite a bit. In complex states, you can only find causes in hindsight. That is to say, after the fact. What does this mean? A valid strategy to deal with those systems because it's just too complex, okay? And so a good way, a good strategy to deal with those systems are effectively through probing, through experimentation. Effectively, you try something, you see what works, and, uh, and what doesn't work, you remove and uh, you do more of what works. So what do Claudio and other coaches in Lean and Agile mean when they talk about experiments? Are these experiments comparable to a lab setting, maybe? Uh, it's kind of funny you say that because um, I was um, explaining a method I created um, some time ago. I was in Paris and I met this scientist who actually works in the brain, right, in uh, Switzerland. And he came to me saying, you know, Claudia, I love what you're doing, but... You know, as scientists, I should say that the experiments that you design should be controlled. You know, they should be repeatable, they should be isolated, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, what I replied to him was, uh, was this, and I said, you don't understand. My, my goal is not to move human knowledge forward is to actually is to beat inertia. I'm an entrepreneur. What we really want to do is to move from where we are to where we want to be. And so we try everything. I really don't care to this kind of purism of having the perfect experiment, if you know what I mean. So I might launch more than one at the same time. Now, very often these experiments are naturally isolated between themselves. But it wouldn't be my, my first concern. My first concern is actually to say, uh, okay, so we have problems. One option is do nothing. But if we are not happy with the problems that we have, then let's explore something. And if we go, we, we essentially we explore options by committing to experiments. Also, unlike in science, collecting data about the experiment is not exactly the same here. Of course, I could collect some hard evidence in certain experiments to help me take a decision, but other factors are just as important as Claudio explains. 
there's a lot of qualitative stuff that very often we don't we don't consider, but it's just as important. I can ask before and after, you know, I make the comparison between the two and our perceptions are, are important and valid. Our intuition is important and valid. Okay. So the experiments are there to make sure that we can move forward. But how does a team set up experiments that will help improve their collaboration? So we have this problem of we're working in isolation and uh, we're not really a team. You know, it's my opinion. You know, do you agree with that? So first of all, I test the problem. Is it a shared problem? Does people feel the same? You know, so we move from one opinion to problems. And then I start thinking about, okay, what options do we have here? So one of them is we meet daily for 10 minutes or less. And we talk about, you know, what we're working on. And we renew our commitment, I guess, to the work. Let's, uh, let's do an experiment. Maybe we'll try this for a week. Okay. But let's write an expectation. And the expectation could be, uh, that at the end of the week, I like it, you guys like it, we want to continue doing that, and our perception is that it actually improves the way we're uh, interacting with each other. In this example, Claudio has already laid out the basic system of the popcorn flow. But what is popcorn flow exactly, and how does it help create experiments? Imagine to have a visual board, and in this visual board you have several steps. And you have problems and observations, options, possible experiments, committed, ongoing, review, next. The initials of each column happen to make the word popcorn. But the acronym popcorn does more than help us set up the experimenting process. It is also a metaphor for the idea that it takes time to set up experiments, but once you get used to it, they will multiply and help you take better decisions. And it's like really when you heat popcorn kernels, you know, when you put them on a pan and you heat them up. At the beginning, you have a couple of pops and then suddenly it's bum, 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 right? So it's actually, it's that kind of experience that I see with teams. If change is hard, make it continuous is one of the principles of popcorn flow. What this means is that experimenting works much better if you do it all the time, if you conduct experiments every week. Because a perfect system does not exist. As the world changes around us, our systems need to change too. I remember like a while ago, uh, going to a large organization and the project manager needed my help. You know, it doesn't matter what it was, but in the end was to, we, we redesigned the process and uh, the way people interacted and did the work. And then the project manager said, Claudio, this is fantastic. Now we'll put it on Visio, and that's our process from now on. And I said, no, 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 hold on a second. You don't understand. If the teams don't change the process next week, I haven't done my job, <laughs> right? Because you can't take one snapshot one day modify to the next big transition, you know, a week after or a month after, a year after, and then say, from now on, this is the way. Popcorn flow, like many things that truly work, is simple. It is so simple, in fact, that Claudio was able to test it at home with a very special person. This is what I find absolutely intriguing, is that it works with my son, who, when I started, was five years old, is now six, and, uh, but it actually works with top executives in large organizations for strategic planning. So how does setting up popcorn flow work in practice? 
Let's look at the story of Matteo and the ball catching experiment. The the story with my son is pretty interesting, I guess, because uh, he's Asperger. Okay, so the, the, being Asperger is is pretty much a disorder that um, means effectively that you need to be in control of everything. Okay, so he really tries to be in control of everything, which works really well with things, but not so well with people, of course, because they don't want to be controlled, <laughs> right? And uh, which makes him like the perfect project manager. <laughs> and so, so I started experimenting with him. And, um, and there's a lot of stories that came out. Uh, it would come to me saying, you know, Daddy, I want to play the Power and Flow game. And uh, I remember once we were saying, okay, but we need to find a problem. I don't know what problems we can have. And I said, I have one. I, I'm not very good at catching the ball. And I said, okay, let's write it down. So we, write it, we wrote down, he, he draws everything. So he drew pretty much what it means not to be able to catch the ball. And he put it on the problem column. And I said, okay, what options do we have? And, uh, and he started saying, oh, I know, practice, practice, practice. And I said, wow, Matteo, that's really cool. Let, let's, let's draw it, okay? And then what's another option? Well, another option, you know, he, he, he didn't know what to, what to come up with. And so I suggested pretty much maybe how we practice can make a difference. So how about you, you lower your hands, you keep them low effectively so that when I throw a ball effectively, you can catch it. So how we practice, I guess. And I said, yeah, okay. I mean, put it then. And then we said, what's another option? And that again, we had to think about this and um and i said well one option could be that you catch the ball using a box and he loved that okay so effectively a, a box you have a wider surface it's easier of course to catch you may say maybe it's cheating but actually it addresses the problem and so he loved that and he said okay okay i want to do that i want to do that now you see like what happens now we co-designed our options there wasn't somebody imposing it. Very often as consultants, you may, you may come to help a team to provide more options. So very often I go there, I elicit options first, I ask first, and then I add, have you considered this? Or I've seen this in another company and so on. So effectively teams are buying options effectively at that point. Uh, but in this particular case, I said to him, okay, but let's make it a real experiment. So let's not use any box, let's use that red box over there. And if I launch the ball 10 times, how many times do you think you will catch it? And so we really started writing a little experiment like that. And of course, his initial expectation was that if I launch it 10 times, it will catch it 10 times. And then we discovered that that wasn't really happening. We tried different times and, uh, and uh, we, but eventually we converged to success. Claudio points out, however, that before you can experiment, you need to have gone through a learning process, first acquiring the basic recipe for a tool and getting proficient at it. There is a model that you can use to learn more about this called the Dreyfus model of skills acquisition. Once you know the recipe and can master it without thinking about it, then you are ready to experiment. In other words, there is the right maturity level for experimentation. It's very much like in the kitchen, once you know a recipe by heart and have cooked it several times, then you can start creating variations of it. On the other hand, once you know the recipe really well, 
you should think more about principles and experimentation. If you all you know are the recipe, then uh, then you're a slave of those recipes, those methods. But if you understand the principles, then you're free to choose whatever suits you best. So what is the mindset needed for experimenting? Claudia, of course, has the perfect answer, and it involves skateboarding. I was speaking at a conference at the International Association of Software Architects, and um, and I was explaining how popcorn flow works and the kind of mentality, and um, and somebody said, uh, "Yes, it's great, Claudio, but how do we change to this mindset?" And, uh, and my advice to them was buy a freaking skateboard, <laughs> and, uh, and, and they all laughed. And I said, "Well, so one of the popcorn flow principles is it's not fail fast, fail often, which is something we use in startups a lot." It's learn fast, learn often. So experimenting is mainly about learning. You also learn a lot from the failed experiments, sometimes more than from the ones that worked out as expected. Give yourself permission to fail. I always say that, like of my experiments, 40% of them fail to meet my expectations. Yet, I learn from pretty much all of them. And when we find out, okay, uh, I had this expectation, in reality, this something else happened, and so let's review that. Why did that happen? And that's where a lot of learning comes out. So very often when I launch these experiments, you know, I really say, you know, let's consider the fact that it may not work. But in the end of it, we will revisit it. I never say we will roll back because rolling back is one option. If something doesn't meet your expectations, you may reconsider, first of all, the whys. But based on that, you have a number of options. One, as I said, is roll back. Another one could be to revisit other options, to persist maybe doing the experiments, give it a little bit more time, to create new experiments, to revisit the problem in the first place. Uh, so, so you see, like, there's, a, there's a world of options that open up if, you, if you're prepared to think in those ways. One last important thing to bear in mind about rapid experimentation. Rapid means short experiments that carry only very small risks. This is important, as continuous evolution is only possible if you keep the experiments short and create new experiments in short succession. When you have this kind of continuous evolution, continuous change through this kind of rapid experimentation, some of these experiments fail to meet your expectation. Absolutely. It's part of mutation, if you want. But mm -hmm. some of this mutation leads to actual improvement. The thing is, like, improvement without change is impossible. So if you do a lot of change, you're maximizing the opportunity effect effectively for improving in, in the right direction. So you use this kind of continuous feedback loop to converge to something that works. Find out more about Claudio Perrone, his methods Popcorn Flow, A3 Thinker, and his consulting work on www.agilesensei.com. You can also order your personal set of Popcorn Flow stickers to create your own first Popcorn Flow board. Did I mention that Claudio also is an amazingly gifted illustrator? Seriously, go and check him out. Thank you for listening to episode one of the Collaboration Booster. I will be back with episode two, Limit Your Work in Progress, quite soon. Until then, take care. I am Nadja Schnetzler, and my passions are innovation, collaboration, and communication. You can find out more on my website, wordanddeed.org. That is word-and-deed.org.